This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. With a huge pro-Israel conference kicking off in Denver last night, Palestinian solidarity activists are planning protests all weekend downtown. But we got a preview on Monday night when protesters disrupted Denver City Council. We're talking to the Denver Post reporter who was in the room. Plus, Mayor Johnston's plan to revitalize downtown and our wins and fails of the week. Today is Friday, December 1st. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city whose mayor's car recently got stolen. But I think what shocked us all was that the photo he shared on social media is what we assume is his car. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like an orange and blue painted Explorer or a Bronco. Did you see this, Joe? It's the Escape. And my understanding it is escaped. that car was previously stolen and it was actually the family's other car. They haven't so provided more details, but there's a, a this other family car got stolen this time. But the <laughs> the escape was stolen in seventeen, and he had, he shared that story on the campaign trail. Oh, uh, a lot of commiseration in a city with such a high rate of car theft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, pa- yeah, I was like, I, uh, is he driving? So he wasn't driving around in the Broncos color Jeep because I, I this no. photo was like he has a different relationship to this team than I thought he did. I've never seen that car in the wild, but yeah, I mean, he is a Broncos fanatic and he's a, you know, he's a Colorado guy. Um, it's a good, it's, got a, those it's a pretty easy way to show it though, yeah. truly, to be honest with you. Truly. God, uh, he tweeted that like, do you all know the thing that like, God must be a Broncos Cause fan because otherwise why are sunsets blue and orange? Yeah. I have, my in-laws have been like telling me this uh, weekly every year <laughs> for the whole time I've lived here. And it's, it's a religion. Like, yeah. I just, oh boy. You know, it's, my, it's great. I love it. I have uh, my friend Mo Graham just had a piece. She had a piece in Empower Field. They mm-hmm. did a bunch of commission pieces, but they gave each of the artists their own jerseys with their names on oh, them. That's cool. And they gave them to him in a, like a ceremony in the end zone. Whoa. She was like, Fun. it was the coolest experience of my life. So shout out to the Denver Broncos, whoever's doing that stuff. Oh my God. The Broncos are riding high right now. You they can are. feel it. The they whole are. city is like, yeah. I'm going to wear the flag. Now, oh yeah. Or I'm going to put now it. Now you finally see it at the grocery store again on Sundays, Joe. Remember it would be like, everybody's Emptier. wearing Broncos mm-hmm. gear if they're working and then no one else is in the store. <laughs> so somebody texted me. I was like, everyone at King Super is going to be so nice today after the Broncos won. <laughs> Russell Wilson was at the Nuggets game last night. Oh, was Big he? pop from the crowd. Huge. Oh. People were like, Russ is here. Yeah. It's probably good for him on the PR front that they're doing better when you want to go somewhere so public. Yeah. You don't want to go to Blackhawk like and drink alone at the casino. No, you want to go to a sold out, ninth sold out <laughs> Nuggets game of the year. Mm-hmm. I heard. So anyway, it's Friday. Uh, we're in the 5280 Magazine Studios in beautiful downtown Denver. Uh, of course, Paul Caroli, executive producer, is here. Hi, Thank Paul. You. Hello. Yes. Good and morning. Joining us for strangely the first time, known Joe forever. Joe Rubino uh, covers City Hall for the Denver Post, among many other things you've covered in your many years here in Denver. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Very uh, happy to be here. And yeah, it is weird. It uh, is. I'm, 
Kennedy High School graduate. I know so much about you. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Denver born and raised, all that good stuff. We're so glad you're here. So before we get started, we have two pieces of business. Um, Paul, you heard back from the regional manager of Quick Trip about the opening date of the new location of the Monaco... Monaco and Evans? Yes. Is it where Milo's Sports Tavern used to be? Uh, exactly. Okay. Yes. They knocked it down. Uh, and built a gas station. And they have station. built not just any gas station. A, a quick, quick trip. trip. Yeah. I know everyone who heard the the episode I did with Steve Steger and our friend Joshua Emerson a couple weeks ago probably wanted an update. I finally did hear back from this regional manager for Quick Trip, and he says the opening date tentatively is February 1st. So the gas price wars are coming to Virginia Village. I think my real beef with this is um, I think Quick Trip just knocks down dive bars and builds new quick trips because they just someone knocks down knock down hearts corner on uh oh, you know by tamale kitchen yeah, yeah. and uh they're building a quick trip is there oh. a quick trip going there too i'm pretty sure because it's a brand new gas station i'm pretty sure it's a quick trip i'll double check but they're coming in strong into this are. market they are so i can't wait to try it i'm i'm sure i'm gonna love it having recently visited virginia village my aunt lives there and we did thanksgiving like oh, yeah. there's already that murphy's and their prices are low mm-hmm. like it is wait, like a gas a... station corner oh lots of gas stations is it murphy's minute. maverick maybe i'm mixing oh, it's a maverick. a maverick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maverick? But it's maverick? like a little yes. further down. There's a stinker. Oh. Is, yeah. That's fun. Milo's talking about like part of the Broncos religion. They used to do free jello shots after a touchdown. Really? So rip Milo's. <laughs> I never went in there. It looked too scary by the time I moved to the it neighborhood. It wasn't quite Dirty Duck, but it was uh, Milo's. It, yeah. I had, to, I had to pull an old roommate out of there that was wasted and <laughs> was just face down in a plate of enchiladas. I was like, homegirl, we got to go home. <laughs> It was a place. Yeah. So, yes. Not right, quite people. Dirty Duck is saying something. Mm. Yeah, I know. I was like, that. and Dirty Duck is questionable. <laughs> Still around, going, going strong. strong. Going True strong. dive bars. <laughs> so, uh, and then one more piece of uh, important information is uh, we need you. We need folks to sign up for the CityCast Denver membership. This We're pitching it as a holiday gift, Paul. I like this. Yeah, something, why not? It would be a great give. gift. It's 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 a way to give to your loved one and get them involved in local news, which is what we do. And you can support us right now by going to membership.citycast.fm. Uh, sign up. You get some benefits we'll share. But really, the special thing to us is you're helping us make this show every day. We make this show five days a week. And we love to do it. And we really need you to help us keep going. And you have been so far. We've had... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, so many people so who many have joined awesome already. People. It's been it's been a great showing of support, and we really do appreciate each and every one person. and And it's the best way to to keep the show going strong. So so if you care about your city, if you care about us, you want us, you know, every day with a newsletter and a podcast in your inbox and in your feed. Um, if you think that's value to you, you know, sign up today for a membership or uh, get one for a loved one and have something to talk about in the new year. Yeah, we love that. So membership.citycast.fm. All right, top story. Um, Paul, we're going to do something we haven't done much of today, which is we're going to talk about Gaza, but um, specifically what is happening here in Denver leading up to this week with um, tensions coming to a head around the Israel conference happening um, this coming weekend. Really quick, Paul, could you catch us up? Yes, and I will. I will go quickly because what happened on Monday night, Joe, you were there at City Council. We really want to hear um, what that was like. But uh, in case somehow you have not heard or seen any of this news, the local stuff, I think um, some highlights since since the Hamas surprise attack on October seventh led to this Israeli assault. We've seen uh, state representative and regular CityCast Denver guest Tim Hernandez go crazy viral on conservative yeah. social media when um, he maybe refused to condemn Hamas at a Palestinian solidarity protest. Um, 
there have been calls for him to resign from the legislature. Um, I, I, I hope we get to hear more of his story soon. There have been weekly protests, both Palestinian solidarity, Israeli solidarity. In Aurora, there was this divide uh, within the, the Democrats and, and the far left. Um, mayoral yeah. candidate Juan Marcano resigned from the Democratic Socialists of America after some statements from different branches around the country. That was very surprising to yeah. me. Um, and then last week during the special session on property taxes at the state legislature, uh, representative Elizabeth Epps was at the center of this very tense, tense and emotional scene. She was pushing some legislation to promote boycotts of, of Israeli products. And, um, you know, she faced some resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very, very emotional, um, from what I can tell. Um, so yeah, Democrats, liberal cities like Denver are divided and that kind of leads us up to, to Monday night, um, yeah. where, you know, oddly across the world, there's the ceasefire that's holding for now, but in Denver, it seems to me, tension has never been higher. And Joe, that's why we wanted to talk to you because you were there on the ground reporting. Can you tell us what happened at city council on Monday? Um, well, it's been interesting even before October 7th, um, this conference was coming and it had been out there. And um, this Jewish National Fund conference, yeah, the, the, the JNF conference yeah. um, coming to Denver. And one of the great things about public comment for me as a reporter is it's uh, most of the time the people speaking there are speaking to something that's you know happening on the city council agenda a lot of times. But sometimes they're coming to use that platform to speak about something else. And I, you know, dating back to August, there were speakers coming from the Cairo Palestine Coalition to oh, wow. speak out against this JNF conference and and really That's urge the council. Before, yeah. Yeah, that was before, before I mean, so 7th. like, you know, that obviously really heightened that. But you know, yeah. there were people from the Cairo Palestine Coalition coming and saying, you know, this is a an organization that raises money for settler colonialism and and covers up, um, you know, the brutalization of Palestinians. Like, you know, it perked my ears then, right? Um, and then October 7th happens. Um, I think the council members knew, I mean, 80 people signed up for public comment. It's a 30 minute session. Like it was very much telegraphed. This is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's not the first time that, um, people to, to prove a point have, have refused to cede the floor. It's actually happened like three times now in the last two years. Where they refuse to come off the podium. When the time is up. Give it back to council. And, and yeah, and, and, you know, council president Torres had a, a brief back and forth with Shannon Hoffman, um, who was kind of um, leading the group of, yeah, former council. District 10 candidate. Yeah. Mm -hmm, and involved with Denver DSA, you know, involved in a lot of progressive causes in town. And she, um, once council decided to adjourn, you know, there was a brief back and forth, um, Councilwoman Torres, Council President Torres and, and Shannon, you know, Torres is like, you know, we're not doing this tonight, Shannon. Like, you know how this works. And, uh, you know, to their credit, they also let somebody who is pro-Israeli speak. Um, and it did get a little tense. I tried to speak to that man as he was leaving the room with some sheriff's deputies at his side. And uh, he didn't want to give me his name. Um, it was a little tense. He was standing up there with an Israeli flag and, and some of the other um, pro-Palestinian speakers were standing there with their scarves, basically standing in front of him. Um, so there was like some natural debate. He kind of went beyond his three minutes and that's when it started to get more tense. And, you know, as he's leaving, they kind of shouted at him some things like go in shame, things like that. So um, it's interesting because so much of council's business is very practical. It's what's happening in the city now, right? It's how yeah, you carry out. Yeah, we were kind out. of talking earlier. It's like trash collection or contracts for uh, janitors and city buildings and things that make the city kind of go every day. Yeah. Um, and the, 
the council had very limited power. They, they don't oversee who's booking the convention what, center. What power do they have, though? Because the, the, I don't think it's just about the conference. I think there's some specific policies. Because I was wondering about why this arena for the protest. Like, what are the real changes they're calling for? Other cities have passed resolutions calling for a permanent ceasefire. Oakland, California, or I think, was it Richmond, California? There's been some other cities, Detroit, I believe. And the some of the protesters, some of the speakers on Monday night invoked those, like you could join these other cities and, and pass a progressive, you know, something that calls for a permanent ceasefire. And that is within council's power. I don't know if that's actually on their radar or not. Um, you know, it's there's always this question of when it gets to this point, like, is the message reaching council members or not? You know, they left the room. Um, so all council left the room. All council left the room, which, you know, in the past, sometimes some council members have stayed behind. But in the past, those um, instances where people have kind of occupied the chamber have been very much focused on current city policies, specifically Denver around issues. homelessness. Yeah. So back to the what's happening at the convention center. Uh, Paul, you're, yeah. you're asking like, okay, is there anything in council's power? Joe, you're saying there's like a ceasefire resolution. They could sort of make a statement as a city. But other than that, I mean, when I think about convention center and city council, they're approving contracts for like again, janitorial services or extensions or construction, or mm -hmm. would they have any power over this? Or are any- B Booking at the convention center, gosh, I should have quadruple checked this. I believe that is contracted to Visit Denver, which is our marketing, like, like Visit Denver does. Um, and then there's a manager for the convention center itself that does like setting up and managing of events. So, I mean, you, they have an entity that they- Entrust with and, and task with booking business, bringing business to the convention which, center. Which would be the, a convention like this. It's also the RV show or the, you know what I mean? It's all, all kinds the, of all things. All the things, but, volleyball tournaments, the, yeah. you, know, um, you know, throughout the year, there's all kinds of stuff in there. But there is, I, I saw Bernie Sanders there. So it's like, there's a political things happen. This is not yeah. Um, uncommon. Yeah, they. it's not like they shy away and, and it's only apolitical, certainly. Um, so in terms of like what... I, you know, and I have no idea what the appetite is amongst council members for anything like that. But it is a statement of values. I think that's what the protesters would say is like, this is an opportunity for you to stand with us. And that's what they would want. Um, so I don't know. I mean, whether or not they want that is, is, is kind of an interesting thing to me. And like, is that actually going to factor into the politics like of our next elections? Like, are these decisions that they're making now going to sway any Denverites votes? And these are a lot of new council members who've been in their seats for less than six months, you know? So they're still trying to chart their course um, and say who they are to their constituents through the choices that they make. So boy, is this a big choice. It really is. I mean, the, where you stand on this issue, I, I don't have to say it. Every, you kind of know it. I mean, after almost two months of this most recent war, this most deadly war, um, it's, uh, I think people are all pretty sure where they stand. It's a precarious place to be too, as a, a politician. I think if we, as we've even seen by politicians here in Colorado who have spoken out and the repercussions of that, I understand even if we know where everybody, we think everybody stands, you're still making a stance that, I don't know, it's very complicated. It's fraught and yeah. it's where can you make an impact. And yes. I think for me, what sticks out is these pro-Palestinian voices aren't feeling like they're getting any traction at the national level. You know, they, I mean, they're protesting outside Joe Biden's hotel as well. Um, and then at the state level, I mean, the governor is speaking tonight. It's Thursday. This will run on Friday. But the governor is speaking tonight at that conference. Hmm. Um, and we will have a reporter in the room, John Aguilar, 
we've covered the Palestinian-Israeli conflict in multiple, and, and I highly recommend people read Seja Hindi and Seth Clayman's story about you know Palestinian Coloradans who have lost family in, in the conflict. Um, you know that went way deeper than I did in my story. So, you know, we've covered it on both sides. But um, you know, if you're not getting traction at those two levels, where do you go? Yeah. And this is a public forum. There's, you know, there's not a. There's not. It's a, not like the state legislature has public comment every week. Right. City council. There's does. not a lot of places to do this right. or have the, you know, have the. It's floor. a platform. Right. And, Absolutely. Um, and you've seen, and you know, this is. Now I am curious. Like, does this become sort of a pattern for people? As I said, council comment. People will come with their causes. I, I heard about this JNF conference months ago, before any of, of what was going on because in Israel and Gaza was, right. was you know, happening. But you'll see other people just come with like personal grievances, right? Like I've been in a dispute with such and such agency and I'm here to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> Which is normally what I feel like I see in the, when you go to the yeah. city council it's, public it's comment. It's the stuff that not... gets lampooned, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Parks and Rec had a, a really classic episode that really nails the, the, yeah. that like, public comment idea. But this is how you, I mean, even if you're talking to a body that may not have a ton of influence on like the broader scale of this conflict, it's a place to make your voice heard. So, Before we move on, we're just going to be watching this conference, right? Because it's going on all weekend. Mm -hmm. So, and our governor's going to be there. It should be, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the pro-Palestinian groups have, you know, their goal is to shut down this conference. They've made that plain. DPD has already come out and said, we're going to provide more resources around security. They don't ever, you know, talk about plans, obviously. But yeah, it's going to be, I, I think Saturday is the biggest event on the schedule for the protest side. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that there's been some, you know, people protested the 2008 DNC in a major way here in the city. So um, yeah, it is going to be interesting. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more show. And we're back. We're talking about downtown. Um, commuters still aren't coming back, at least in the amount that they were pre-pandemic. Businesses are suffering. We we all know this story. But um, what's new is Mayor Mike has a plan. Um, Joe, you reported this week on some moves he's made so far this year. We're talking about the, the web building in particular, but what's Mayor Mike's plan? His budget says $58 million for downtown revitalization. Uh-huh. Um, and what does that mean? You know, that can take many forms. The concrete things I've seen so far, and the first one wasn't even on the 2024 side of the budget year, there was that um, activations grants, as you probably saw, the yes. three hundred thirty-five thousand. Took a hard look at yeah. those. Yeah, so they were. He was. Events they're and, giving out grants uh, mm -hmm. to folks who want to organize events and things to do along 16th Street Mall, like activations. Activations. You've probably seen events. this meet in the street. We've done them for many years before that. They set up climbing walls. They set up, you know, beer gardens, all kinds of things. So that was pre this this budget. Yeah. And okay. that's, that's a small, you know, that's taking a first bite out of it, trying to just generate some buzz. And, you know, you'll see in the numbers, like Saturday is going to be a big day for downtown because it's Parade of Lights. That's always a oh, big that's spike. right. Hmm. Yeah. They were setting up the podiums and the platforms yesterday. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, um, it's a historic day to freeze your butt off as a child. It's a classic, if you yeah. Remember, I, I miserably sat through it so many years as <laughs> yeah. a child, Joe. I'm sure my you did too. My tears are freezing to my yeah. face. Um, <laughs> but so then, you know, 
I'm very curious where the rest of that money is going to go. And I, I have to go in and check on some of these line items. What is that 58 million next yeah, year going to look like? Downtown revitalization is a very broad I, thing. So this sublease within Republic Plaza, um, they were already moving the um, Denver District Attorney's Office there. They were in the web building. They're moving. They want their own space. They're going into um, Republic Plaza already. So you're talking about was, city workers. Yeah, Mayor Mike has decided that instead of allowing city workers to to work from work home. from home while the web building is being renovated, that instead he isn't going to lease them space in Republic Plaza. Yep, one so of they, the emptiest and <laughs> cheapest and oldest and and the tallest in town. Uh huh. Give hey, it its due. It's a big white rectangle, but it, it is. is the tallest <laughs> building in town. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they had this existing lease, and Mike. Mayor Johnston um, had given the um, director of real estate or directives as said, go out and find some cheap lease space. And it is available, particularly on that end of downtown, what they would call upper downtown. Um, Updale. Updale, if you will. A central business district for the old heads. Um, (laughs) And that was available. And so... And, you know, there was some talk, like, there were also teams that wanted, like, oh, we found that we work better in person. Um, but they did, um, it was very much an economic development um, directive from the mayor, uh, as I understand it, from talking to the director of real estate. So, um, yeah, that's another $5 million to sublease this space on a rotating, you know, they're going to rotate city departments based on the phasing of when your floor in the web building is under construction. And the idea is to keep them um downtown and patronizing the businesses there. And what I thought was an interesting viewpoint was um, Chris Hines, Councilman Hines, who represents District 10 in downtown. He's He said city workers could be ambassadors for downtown. And I find that I kind of fill that role <laughs> at times because I live in Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. For the, like I hear people be like, well, there's nothing going on down there. It's like, well, I actually, you know, there's things that I like what's in your that pitch? neighborhood. What's your, what's your best like, pitch I've for downtown? I've actually been there in the last six months. Um, I well, I live around the corner from Benny Blanco's, and like oh, that yeah. sells itself. Yeah. Uh, That's a good one. That's oh, a good some pizza of my place favorite right there. Pizza, yeah. some of my weirdest Slut. customer service experiences. <laughs> Still, it's great pizza. They gave my dog Monty a slice of pizza for free on his birthday. So. <laughs> that rules. Yeah, we're tight. Shout out yeah. to Benny Blanco's. But you know, I I part of it is that I cover City Hall, and I I appreciate the proximity to my coverage area. I don't pay for parking. I walk to meetings. But there, you know, the downtown convenience still resonates with me as a person that lives downtown. Um, but yeah, there is like a perception of, you know, it's, if you listen to certain media sources, like, oh, it's a, it's a it's an unsafe hole. place. You yeah. can't come down there. And, you know, I talk to business owners that say the same thing. It's like, I'm constantly like battling this public perception, like the guy that owns um, West of Surrender, He's like, I, you know, I, I can't get the word out enough to people. Like, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, there's homelessness, but that's true across the city in many places. Like, um, I think the 16th Street Mall being torn up is also a big thing. Oh, and that, and, like, and what normally, can the mayor do about that? You know, yeah. the projects I mean, underway. And I was going to say timing wise, it just was bad timing. He, you know, he spoke to that um, on the campaign trail. Like, it's not just, it's you have DIA and then 16th Street. Like, so. so <laughs> Visitors arrive and the airport is a mess, and then you <laughs> yeah. get off at Union Station and 16th Street Mall is a mess. Like the timing is tough, but I mean, there's federal dollars tied up in all this. Like there's there's yeah, some things just you just it's you, it out. just it's tough. Yeah. And when it does start opening, you know, it's going to be different. It's going to be um, there's optimism in the way that 
you know, there's optimism when things are like at their low point, right? Like, yeah. Oh, here's an opportunity. We can to only rebuild. go up from here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and so another building sort of at the center of this conversation is the web building, which is, I think, maybe 20 years old. It's a new building. That shocked me when you told me that earlier this week. We talked about this. Oh, yeah. It, we were reading your story, Joe, and, and I was like, the web building. Oh, yeah. It is kind of, it's really old. I was, like, I was like, no. No, 20 years old. It just feels old. It feels like cramped in some places, and like stuffy well, in some places. And they're saying they're remodeling it, which I know you said you just yeah. said it's stuffy and cramped. You know, like you've been in that building a lot. I, I was surprised that these improvements that they're making to the building are like basically just trying to bring it up to code for ADA and like the Department of Justice sent the city a letter a couple of years ago being like your public spaces do not meet current code and like, <laughs> a list of recommendations the ADA was passed in 1990 <laughs> this building was built much long after that it's wild to me but Paul the cramped and stuffiness you're saying mm-hmm. this does probably does need to be done to get people to be in I that mean, building. I don't, I doubt that the, I mean, I bet the city's having the same problem that every other company office has, has offices downtown is having. They're probably struggling to convince people it's a good to come back to the office. That's what this Republic Plaza lease is so interesting to me. Like I get how there maybe are some teams with some like maybe older people on it that like coming in so much that they'll go to a old shabby office. Um, but I mean, I, I, the young people on those teams, that sounds like that's going to be a struggle coming up for the city. I That's talented young people that, that I would like to be working for the city. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I do wonder about, you know, the city is understaffed in so many departments and has been for a long time, right? Like hiring and retention. I'll be paying attention to that. Yeah. Is it, is it tough? Um, I, I think Republic Plaza... I'd have to go back. I did cover commercial real estate for four years before this. So, I mean, there was, even before COVID, there was what they called the flight to quality. The buildings on the east side of downtown are older. Uh-huh. They were built during like the oil boom, right? Like these buildings right, are 70s. like, eight, you know, the birth of the Denver skyline, right? And then what's down at Lodo, that's what's new and hip. Um, and those are the Instagrammable spaces. Oh my God. Did you uh, see that in your time story? Thank yes. you to Paul. Who shared it. Can, uh, in, can Instagrammable design lure young workers back? Well, if you go to Rhino, you see those places, right? You go yeah. to Zeppelin station. Mm-hmm. It's like a hip workspace. Um, that's not the case, but there has been, you know, a lot of those building owners, the people that bought those older properties or have owned them for a long time, they, they've tried to invest and there was some redevelopment of some of those spaces. I think Troy Guard is opening a wine bar in the basement of Republic Plaza in that oh, little okay. food court. So there will be stuff, right? Mm, that's something. But, uh, it, you know, it is, it, it's, it, it's like, it's like web building. Like at a certain point, your building needs a refresh or it's just going it, to, it gets what they call, you know, it gets downgraded. There's like class A space, then mm-hmm. there's class B, and then there's class C. And that dictates like what you can charge and rent, all kinds of things. Things you're, if you're going to attract people in a market that's already tough to attract, uh, office selling office space in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The thing to me is like, I found it mildly offensive that the New York times was like implying that young people just want a place to take a picture. Like they yeah. are, they're more complex than that. I yeah. know there's a lot of assumptions about people that take selfies, but, um, working from home is if you have a disability, it's a thing that dis- folks with disabilities have been asking for for decades. If you have kids, if you're a caregiver, if you have a schedule that is so much easier when you're at home, that Instagrammable workspace isn't going to fix any of those problems. So I'm struggling to see how this will work. A lot of the like 
nicest buildings I would go tour when I was covering real estate. Um, they were in like really hyper competitive fields. Like BP has an office, um, the oil and gas mm, company, mm-hmm. on um, in Lohi, and talk about baller. Like oh, they yeah. have a, a Tulum room with like oh, a hanging swing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but those are like hyper competitive. I mean, you're yeah, competing with other workers, as oil you know? and gas engineers, right. and it was before COVID. Before <laughs> we realized, hey, mm-hmm. we can do a lot of this stuff and this, in our beds. And the city's and not going to be doing that. For yeah. a lot of reasons, like also it wouldn't to me, it wouldn't look good if the city was like, oh, we're building a Tulum room in this office. Like, <laughs> no, just hire more people to work at the DMV, please, or whatever. Yeah. You know? So you, you wonder what the, you know, the city's pitch is compared to private business, right? Like, you know, there's always the talk of like a, a public pension and and that. Totally. Um, there's like maybe a, a, a call to service. Like, yeah, I want to do yeah. something on the public service side. So it's a different set of offerings, right? Like it's a different value That's offer compared to other businesses, private industry, I think. Um, and to, you know, Mike Johnson wasn't the first mayor to say like, you must come downtown. Like right, Hancock right. said that, right? So, you know, the, the hybrid model where you work downtown three days a week, that started under Hancock. Um, because these city leaders do, you know, they, especially in when so much of our um, tax base is sales tax, like they understand like what happens if you have, uh, you know, a downtown business core that's not thriving. Yeah. And some understand it better than others. I mean, maybe it's, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I talked to our colleagues at CityCast Houston about this and uh, like the work from home uh, conundrum. And uh, they were just like, no, our mayor was like, go back to work. And then our city did. And now our downtown's okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it was like those decisions that at the time seemed like these life and death decisions. Now we have the consequences we're living with now. And like, I mean, our mayor's not in charge of private businesses, so he's doing what he thinks he can, which is like, okay, let's try to rent some space and bring some people downtown. This is what I can do. Inspiration. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it'll be interesting. We have a hybrid situation and it works really well for us, but... I'm counting down the days till that coffee shop downstairs yeah, opens. I'll tell too, you that honestly. that renovation project in the lobby—it's—it's oh. it's getting close. And like, I cannot wait. Queen City Co-op, we're ready for you. Can't wait because mm-hmm. I don't make coffee at home. Mm-hmm. Let's be serious. Okay, well, we're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, our mile highs and lows of the week. We're back. We're talking about the best things and the worst things that happened this week here with our Rocky Mountain highs and lows. Excuse me. We're going to start with fails because we always like mm-hmm. to end on a good note. Um, Paul, what sucked for you this week? Well, I got a my fail. Um, it's uh, it's like kind of a follow up to our conversation earlier this week about um, President Biden's visit. We mentioned to him uh, and the, the hotel he was staying at. Um, so when we when we talked about this on Tuesday, Bree, we made two predictions about what we might talk about. We said. Since he's going to Pueblo, we might talk about Bobert, and perhaps he might give a little presidential push to the Mike Johnston House 1000 effort, which right. we know he supports right. because they've added Denver to this 
national all program. Inside. Yeah. All, all inside. inside. That's what it's called. Yes, exactly. Um, so the Colorado Sun reports that at the campaign fundraiser stop in Cherry Hills Village uh, that President Biden attended, this was his only Denver stop apparently, um, he uh, did not mention Mike Johnston and homelessness. He did, however, call out Congresswoman Lauren Boebert by name. He said, folks, this is not your father's Republican Party. <laughs> So that's that's my fail because like what does that even mean? Who knows? This is not your great grandpa's Republican Party. He's like he's talking about MAG. I think he's talking about okay. like the tone and the okay. the, the rhetoric. I, that's what I would guess. Okay. Um, I think I'm just again. I have to be a Bomer defender for a minute. I just am just extra <laughs> sensitive. I'm just extra sensitive about her being slut shamed. That was my frustrating part. Oh, and I don't think that's what he's implying. But. Maybe. But so your your fail is that that he he, he did missed not. he missed this opportunity <clears throat> to to support this promising um, energizing project that needs needs support more than ever it needs Oof. people to just be like inspired to participate and instead he uh, used the whatever platform this was for uh, an attack on Lauren Boebert um, thumbs down for Joe Biden thumbs down for President Biden Joe what's your fail this is it's personal and hmm. Bree you've probably. We have these conversations a lot on social media. El Tepewan is oh. um, going under, and they had been closed for a while, and like they were in between spaces, and I never thought they'd come back. And when they came back, I was very excited. But yeah, El Tepewan is- was the first place. It's a Mexican restaurant in Inglewood, South Broadway. It's the first place I ever had green chili, and even beyond that, oh. it's the first place my parents ever had green chili when they first moved out here in the late seventies, when, when they were from this New Jersey, and they didn't know what it was. Joke. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. And um, we, you know, you can go down the list of all these places. Breakfast King really hurt me too, because I'm from Southwest Denver and that was my spot. But yeah, El Tepewan, it sounds like it's, you know, the owner retiring. It's not one of those like landlord um, raise the rent. They they had to relocate. Yeah. 45 years. And you hear those stories a lot. Like it's tough. And, you know, you can't, you know, sometimes next generation family don't want to take the business, whatever it is. But it is, um, I'm hoping to get in there. I'm hoping they have nice long lines, but I'm going to go get on the list because I will miss them um, consistently. I like that they never seem to dumb down. Like the salsa was hot, hmm. the chili was hot. It never like they're like we're not trying to like appease. water this down. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what it a tastes plea, like. Appease and I love these that. bland yeah. palates, even if it burned me up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite dish or plate or what you get combo you get it? Type one. I would just go like the carne asada burrito there was really excellent. And they would chop up some like jalapenos and tomatoes and onions in the meat. And I mean, a really hot burrito, but really excellent. Or just a breakfast smothered. And they do the like cheese, the, the cheddar and not melt it under the burner. You know, they put it on cold and let it kind of melt Love itself. It. Oh, Love it. Excellent. Oh, I might have to try to do a stop there too. Oh, rest in peace, El one. Bree, how about you? What's your fail? Oh, mine's a huge bummer, as usual. Um, my son's teacher lost her husband to gun violence this week, and she has four children and one on the way. And I just can't imagine going through that. And gun violence always feels like preventable in some way. Like it didn't have to happen, you know? And I don't know the specifics of it. Um, I have a GoFundMe for her that that was shared with me that I can share with folks if they're interested. Surviving that and raising a family. I just I'm just sad for her and it just makes me think about all of these conversations we just continually have about gun violence and what can be done and what can be done. And 
just remember the real causes or the real impacts of it every day happen every day. And I think we've, t- I feel like when we've, t- we've talked to, who did we talk, we taught representative Tom Sullivan. I feel like mm-hmm. he, he talked about um, like mass shootings, get the news, but it's every day this is happening. So it's just a reminder that it's something that impacts people every day. So, um, okay, well let's move to some happy stuff. Uh, Joe, do you want to share your win? Um, well, this is just from my perspective as because House 1000 is, you know, such a dominant topic right now. Um, this is a low key win, I think, for Mayor Johnston. Um, he hired a director for host, Jamie oh. Reif. She was just named this week. She was the um, Metro Denver Homeless Initiative, which was the HUD, the, the federal government um, designated agency that gathers data on homelessness. So they run the point in time count every year. Um, and the reason I'd count it as a win is even Lisa Calderon, who <laughs> produced a grade for the mayor yesterday, it was not good. She graded him a D thus far in his administration, oh, which he has disputed. Um, she was also like, this is a good hire. And you know, Jamie Reif knows homelessness on a regional level and has a ton of experience. So if you're oh. getting even your, you know, critics on, you know, from the left side to support your hire for a critic, I mean, host is going to be huge for Mayor Johnson's goals, right? It's not just the, the homelessness, but housing, yeah. Stability. It, the Department of Housing Stability. And you probably remember know, from I like- I should, I know, I know well, people in Well, over the years under, you know, this agency really emerged under Hancock. There were multiple iterations and things, false starts, things that didn't yeah, work, right? Yeah, it was like right? the first guy host, they brought in to run it did, ditched out yes, in a couple yes. of weeks, so. Um, so host is critical, right? They're not a charter agency, but they are a huge part of his administration. So hiring somebody who's at, you know, at the earliest stages, getting some, you know, people are optimistic, that's a big win. Well, and someone that's worked like on the win. on homelessness on a regional level is really great for us because then they probably know folks in other municipalities surrounding sure. us. And a lot of times we work in these sort of silos and that would be coordinated effort. That would be incredible. That could be a big change for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, you hear from people that are, so. are, you know, they get frustrated because it's like homelessness is not a Denver problem. No. It's a, it's a, Regional and, and gosh, national. Problem. Yeah, so. so that's good. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Paul. All right. Um, my win this week is uh, sort of a lifetime achievement win, um, and I'm giving it to Dr. Martin Lockley, uh, who is the co-founder of the nonprofit Friends of Dinosaur Ridge. Um, he sadly passed away this week at the age of 73 after a fight with cancer this year. Um, our, uh, the, the press person at Dinosaur Ridge, um, sent a press release earlier this week saying this stuff. And, uh, he was a world renowned paleontologist and, uh, just quoting from this press release, Dr. Lockley taught at UC Denver for 30 years and was a professor emeritus. He is the paleontologist who put Dinosaur Ridge on the map, literally renaming that section of the hogback, which sits in Jefferson County open space. Um, I didn't know this. His particular expertise was identifying dinosaur tracks. I guess he was very well known for this. And Dinosaur Ridge, of course, famously has, you know, pretty well preserved dinosaur tracks. So, oh, that's so um, cool. They're renaming some, uh, some cent- discovery center after him now um, out at Dinosaur Ridge. I think there's going to be a ceremony. I'll put links in the show notes. But lifetime achievement win to Dr. Martin Lockley. It's such a great reminder, too, that big things um, that become institutions in our, in our city and our state start with somebody's passion. Yeah, Like this guy really cared and was really interested and he made his mark here, but it ended up being this incredible. I mean, we've talked to, oh, there was that lovely person I talked to at Dinosaur Ridge. Like people that are into dinosaurs, 
they are seriously into dinosaurs. And yeah. I love that about them. Like, she was so passionate to talk about the Stegosaurus, but someone like this is like creating those spaces for us to learn and that become an integral part of who we are. It's so cool. Truly, yeah. Several childhood field trips. Uh, thank you very <laughs> totally. much, Mr. Lockley. Yeah, I, absolutely. So sweet. Mm. It's so cool. Now I want to go back up there and check I know. it out. Me too. I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> no, I'm going to bring Montgomery yeah. up there. That sounds great. Um, all right, Bree, what's your win? You know, um, there was a great story in Westward this week about the uh, high dive being open for 20 years. 20 wow. years. I did not wear my high dive 20th anniversary <laughs> sweatshirt, but I thought about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What have you got? I, I you, love you their, go I love their shirts, their Yelp shirts that say oh, shit that was bar the shit people. Oh, I never bought one, but I did love it. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's a, that Yelp review is accurate. Sure. Shit bar shit people. <laughs> no, um, but I, what, I, I was, I'm a million years old. I was there the opening night of the high dive. It was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's after party. I think they played oh. at the Gothic and then they DJed. Nick and Karen came and DJed. It was sick. And then I went to an after after party where they also were there and it felt I felt like, oh my God, Denver's the coolest place in the world. Here in two thousand (laughs) three. I'm hanging out with the yeah, yeah, yeah's in a house party. But High Dive is still cool. It's I, that's its Still evolution has place. been beautiful, honestly. So um, Allison and Matt that opened it, super cool people. Um, I especially want to say thank you to Matt Labarge because one time they also owned Sputnik, the, oh. the adjoining restaurant and bar, um, the couple that opened it originally. It's mm-hmm. different ownership now. But um, I got kicked out of Sputnik for some drinking things mm-hmm. I was doing. But I had to play later that night at the high dive. And <laughs> Matt Labarge let me back in. So oh, shout nice. out to him. That's nice of Matt. Um, but I just have so many fond memories of that place. It's where my first Beyond the Hot House played a lot. We used to play with our friends of Photo Atlas. Photo Atlas filmed a bunch of, they they did a couple, I can't find them online. Hmm. They did two music videos in the basement of the high dive that I remember being in. And What's it was the basement so fun. Like? Is it gnarly down there? It was. It's I don't know. I, they've done a lot of work in there, so it might be nice, but it was dank yeah yeah i Seems mean like it. Upstairs, it's a bunker. Is, yeah. but the best part is people uh someone started this trend of writing band names as food in the basement yes, do you remember this yes, joe so the yeah, walls I've are just covered that. with like i'm trying to think of some I know, good I can't winners there's some great ones of a yeah. good one. Oh my god i'm never I, i'm just it. a hanger on but i've known enough local bands that i've been invited <laughs> downstairs once or twice and yeah that is a that's i'm glad you remember that because that was funny and the nastiest couches that Oh, yeah. Maybe shouldn't have been sitting on. But now uh, it's run by some other really wonderful folks. Maddie Clark. um, I think Marika Emerson, his wife. And I mean, there's tons. of. Mm -hmm. I just know so many people that have come in and out of there. And they've just always supported local music as well as bringing national acts in. And it's just such a cool staple. And I'm really proud that something is now old Denver. Old Denver. Yeah. It's 20 years old. I mean, it is sceny, but it doesn't feel sceny, right? It it's, feels so like open to all, and I've seen so much different music there, and so like just so many great shows. I mean, anybody yeah. that knows Nathaniel Rateliff will know that was his spot. That's where he really hung out and started and played, yeah. and so it's just produced a lot of cool people, and they still do amazing stuff. And if you haven't been to the High Dive, I highly recommend it. Go see a show there. My favorite time is during UMS when it's just packed and sweaty. But yeah, shout out to them. Twenty years. Great Cheers, job, you guys. Absolutely. That's impressive. Yeah. Impressive. So, okay. Well, that's it. Joe, thanks for coming and joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Paul, as always. Yeah, thanks, thanks Bree. Thanks, it- Bree. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Olivia Jewell-Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. I'm Bree Davies, your host. 
Our music is by Los Mobachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. The Christmassy mix of one of our usual interstitials was mixed by Denver local and listener Jacob Bloom. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Instagram at CityCastDenver, and tell Sean Rundle we said hey. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Thank you.